Hey guys, so this is, uh, oh, come follow me, New Testament 20A, maybe? It's a supplement. Hope asked me the question to elaborate a little bit on uh, on the whole deal with Unix. And um, so let's let's get specific, and if you don't want the nitty-gritty of this, then, uh, you know, skip to the next one. Skip to, to uh, 20B, which will be the meat of the reading for uh, for this week. So we had in Matthew 19, 12, after this discussion of marriage, for there are some eunuchs which were born so, which were, which were so born from their mother's womb. And there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men, and there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. Okay. Um, the, these eunuchs, and we talked about, um, you know, having uh, male parts removed, and uh, uh, that makes someone a eunuch. And so that they're theoretically, you know, trustworthy around uh, around the women of the palace and with other responsibilities. Um, and I think that was wrong. I think that was a, a myth. Um, that's people that are made eunuchs of men. Well, in this category too, I guess I should say, um, in, in Jewish tradition, I and mean, you can read about this in the Talmud and Yevamot. Um, there's three categories of eunuchs. So there's the Saris Chama. Uh, a male that's born with with undescended testicles, um, or you know, ambiguous uh, ambiguous gender, but kind of looking maleish, which is you know, exceedingly rare. But but undescended testes are not. Um, so so there's a saris chama. Um, there's a saris adam, which is um, um, someone that's been either castrated, like we discussed before. You know, as you could be as a slave or a captive in war or something like that. Or accidentally would fall into this category too. So if some, if an accident happens, you know trauma, whatever, that's not uncommon. Then you fall into this category of saris adam. And then last is just the plain saris, which which is either an underaged male or someone that showed no sexual maturity, sexual maturation by age twenty. And some people said, I guess eighteen. Some of the rabbis said, but um, so it's a. Uh, it's kind of this combination of underage or someone that is obviously not really going to develop secondarily. They're born as a male infant, but um, but they don't develop the, the secondary sex characteristics, right? This this was actually important because uh, of the question of leveret marriage. So a man dies without uh, without any children, and the and the duty under the law was that his brother would take uh, take his wife and raise up. A, a descendancy for him. Well, what if that brother was one of these categories, right? Uh, someone that was obviously not going to be able to father children on behalf of his brother. What do you do then? That's why these categories were uh, were discussed in the law. And, and so these three categories, they match perfectly. This is obviously what Jesus was talking about. This, they match what Jesus says, right? Some were born that way. Some are made that way by men or accidentally. And then, uh, but then Jesus kind of takes this last category of this, uh, of the underage male or someone that is not maturing and extends that and says, some people choose that for the kingdom of God's sake. Now, um, just just like in our day, the early Christians lived in a, in a totally sex-saturated society. Uh, and this is so clear when you read 
ancient literature, Ovid and Lucian and Juvenal, all, all these ancient sources, even you know religious religious um, texts and things uh, from the time. Well, I mean, think about the Greek gods and their kind of sexual misadventures of all kinds. Uh, you know, it, it was a zoo, really, including uh, you know zoophilia, right? <laughs> um, so, so the Romans, the Greco-Romans, engaged in every kind of sexual activity that's you know just imaginable. Um, and but but the Christians lived in contrast with this. The Christians had a clear standard of, of chastity. Right? Now, Justin Martyr, who um, in the middle of the second century, uh, he he gives us our earliest citation of Matthew nineteen twelve. So he's the earliest source for us to know what uh, you know what what later Christians, what early Christians, thought that this meant. And he says. Uh, in, in, a, in a commentary, he says, um, well, it's actually in his apology. Not only our works, but also our thoughts are open before God. And many, both men and women, who have been Christ's disciples from childhood, remain pure at the age of 60 or 70 years. And I boast that I could produce such from every race or genos, every tribe uh, of men. For what shall I say, too, of the countless multitude of those who have reformed intemperate habits and learned these things? See, what he's talking about here is, you know, uh, he and lots and lots of others grew up as Greco-Romans. They would have figured, you know, anything goes. Um, but they reformed intemperate habits and learned these things as part of their Christian conversion. Going on with Justin. For Christ called not the just nor the chaste to repentance, but the ungodly and the licentious, and the unjust. His words being, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. For the Heavenly Father desires rather the repentance than the punishment of the sinner. Well, there's so much to like about Justin, uh, <laughs> including this, where, where he's saying, God, God doesn't want to punish us. Uh, he, he, wants, he just wants us to repent, right? <laughs> won't, won't you repent? Won't you come in to be repent? Oh, why, why be foolish, right? Um, but, but it's important that he, that he uh, lumps in here people that choose to remain uh, sexually pure um, many now in Justin's day, it's important to note that uh, that people were not encouraged to marry again if they had a you know marriage that uh, uh, either a spouse died or or uh, failed or whatever, <clears throat> or they joined uh, the Christian movement and the other didn't um, and, and wouldn't uh, remain with them. That they were not encouraged to marry again, and it's different in this day. But uh, so that's why he can talk about people that. Um, Resisting the the flow of the uh, of the culture of, his, of their day, remained the rest of their lives um, sexually pure rather than than breach the their standard of um, of chastity. Now, uh, so, so we know broadly what he's talking about, but but the specific use of the term eunuch as one who abstained from sexual relations uh, is amply amply demonstrated by other um, early Christian writers. So. Um, the end of the second century, Clement of Alexandria, important, important uh, writer. But a true eunuch is not one who is unable, but one who is unwilling to indulge. Um, and then in the third century, Tertullian, um, he, he actually equates voluntary, he calls voluntary eunuchs men virgins. <laughs> uh, you know, that's, that's the term he uses. Um, 
And he commends virgins such as they've become eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. So early on, this is, um, and uh, oh, Cyprian and lots of other writers, they make it very, very clear that Christians understood this word eunuch, or this usage of the term eunuch, to mean voluntary chastity. Um, now, th- there are some who have taken this verse, including a BYU professor, Mark Ellison, uh, to his shame, I think, to suggest that uh, individuals that consider themselves, you know, not to be uh, to be gender non-conforming, right? That they're being praised here, um, but this is not possible. This is not. Th- th- there's no way that early uh, Christians would have understood it in in this way because uh, the whole uh, the whole idea of queer theory is a modern construct, right? Um, and, and in fact, homosexuality was normative in Greco-Roman society, as we've discussed before. It was normal. That was not considered a gender diversity, right? That was normal. Um, and it was a phase of life. It was a phase of life that you would, that you would go through if you were a, a rich male anyways. Um, but they had no concept of a notion that, uh, th- that I, for example, could be a woman uh, trapped in a man's body. The, the idea that, that a human being could possess a gender that was entirely independent of the uh, the, the physical sex of the body is, is thoroughly modern. That's a thoroughly modern idea they, that they would possess. So there's no way that they're talking about uh, about that kind of thing here. And and if we need to uh, to be sure what their attitudes are, it's it's abundantly evident. And Athagoras, for example, um, you know, he actually he, this is a good passage because it contrasts uh, people that engage in same sex. Uh, sexual behavior from the eunuchs that are being talked about in this passage. He says, But though such is our character, oh, why should I speak of things unfit to be uttered? The things said of us are an example of the proverb, the harlot reproves the chaste. For those who have set up a market for fornication and established infamous resorts for the young for every kind of vile pleasure, who do not abstain even from males, outraging all the noblest and comeliest bodies in all sorts of ways, so dishonoring the fair workmanship of God. For beauty on earth is not self-made, I say, but sent hither by the hand and will of God. These men revile us for the very things which they are conscious of themselves and describe to their own gods, boasting of them as noble deeds and worthy of the gods, these adulterers and pederasts defame the eunuchs and the once married. Okay. A little bit of unpacking here, I guess. Um, he's saying that, that these people that are pimps, uh, you know, offering these resorts for people to do, you know, every awful kind of thing. Um, pederasts, of course, are you know people that uh, you know, it's homosexual uh, sex between an, an older and a younger. Um, Participant will say, um, they they defame the Christians who are eunuchs in the in that Christian sense, and the once married meaning they were married once, but now are now have decided to uh, to remain to remain single in accordance with the with the ethic of that earliest age. So, um, you know, the, the early Christian understanding of chastity was that. Sexual relations only appropriate in the first marriage, right, of a man and woman, as we said. Um, so, uh, I, th- I think it's pretty clear uh, what uh, 
what Jesus is saying. Uh, and to maybe even one more way of making it even clearer. Um, you know, none of, none of this has any bearing on, you know, gender nonconformity, gender identity. There's, there's no such thing as gender identity back then, right? So we can, we can safely put that aside. Um, there's one, one more thing, and that is in the Syriac Peshitta version of, of Matthew 19.12. So um, uh, we, we go off of the Greek manuscripts. Well, I mean, to some extent, we, there's some old Latin manuscripts of the New Testament that are important, that shed light on the way things were understood early on, at least as early as about 400. Um, but there's also these, these Syriac Peshitta um, scriptures. The Syriac would have been the language of uh, of the Jews at that time, and so all the you know, of course, all the earliest converts were Jews, um, as well as people throughout uh, a lot of the a broad swath of the Middle East. So, so Syriac was an important early language, and the version of the scriptures there, I think, is is important and useful. And so, Longotello for Matthew nineteen twelve doesn't use the term for eunuch Saris. That, that's the that's the Syriac word Saris. But it uses mahaimni, um, which is faithful, or one who's given charge of something faithful and true instead. So, uh, so eunuchs, in that third Christian sense, um, one that chooses um, uh, sexual purity. Uh, again, I think we mentioned before that, that we should not think that Jesus is saying that this, um, you know, the young people that choose this, that that's forever. In my view, he and certainly his apostles and disciples um, were married. That was the expectation. Um, but but it's avoidance of all this uh, Greco-Roman uh, tomfoolery and nonsense that's uh, that's meant by that term a voluntary a voluntary eunuch. I hope that's helpful. I hope that is. Uh, if it's too scattered, maybe I should write it down. <laughs> you can sort through it that way. But yeah, well, it's hard when I'm when I'm you know citing texts and things like that in a in a uh, audio format. You can't kind of look at it and say who's saying this and what are they saying when you're just hearing it. Uh, if that needs more clarification, I will be happy to write these things down and send them to whoever needs it. Love you guys. See you on part B.